WBZ original. Yeah, John had a real body image complex <laughs> after watching J-Lo. I saw John, you really, know, working on his... Did you see yeah. that article? Are we... Is this the yeah. conversation no. we're no, having? No, we'll no, no. Well, that Sorry. is eventually what okay, the conversation... Okay. We have reached the season finale of season four, episode 15 wow. of Alston, Alston's number one podcast, Studio BZ. Welcome, everybody. I'm Paula Evans. Finale? Mm. I'm finale. already in withdrawal. I'm jonesing here. Come on. <laughs> so there's a reason there's a finale, and we will tell you about that at the end. Right. I'm John Keller. And I am Liam Martin, and we have a lot to cover this week. Yeah. First yeah. of all, we're going to be talking a little bit about the WBZ, Boston Globe, Suffolk University tracking poll that we've been running all week long, and we'll continue right up up until the Sunday night before the New Hampshire primary. We'll talk with Boston University political communication expert Toby Berkovitz about the poll's findings, but also about what's going on generally in this campaign. Why is Bernie Sanders leading? Why is Pete Buttigieg surging? And other issues coming up. Should student athletes be able to get paid for the use of their images and names. This has been a raging debate within the sports world for a while now. There is a bill before the state Senate that would allow student athletes to do exactly that. And we are talking with that state Senator Barry Feingold about why he thinks they should be able to. And how did we all feel about the Super Bowl halftime show? J-Lo and Shakira, uh, by most accounts, did a phenomenal job, but... We've heard criticisms, everything from the fact that it was a little too sexualized to I heard there was one, uh, I read one article by a woman who said it made her feel bad about her own body Ooh. to see 50-year-old J-Lo up there. And is she expected to look like that, for God's sake? <laughs> so a lot of uh, thoughts about the Super Bowl halftime. I hope you've been able to catch an, on the 11 o'clock WBZ News this week our uh, WBZ Boston Globe Suffolk University tracking poll. Every night we've been taking the pulse of New Hampshire voters and that will continue right up through the Sunday night before next Tuesday's primary. It's been uh, fascinating. Uh, some ups, some downs, some movement among the candidates. And uh, we had a chance to sit down and talk with a longtime political communication expert, Professor Toby Berkovitz of Boston University. And I asked him uh, what he makes of this amazingly turbulent and unpredictable Democratic primary season. Our newscasters, our editors all work as an efficient, well-coordinated, fact-finding team. I don't know if you've seen our tracking poll this week, yes. but, you know, Bernie has a lead... Uh, but it's not an insurmountable lead. Buttigieg is moving up. War Warren and Biden seem to be sinking. And other polls are all over the map. What do you make of this you-know-what show? A lot of what you have to look at is how much of the support is firm. And the poll does tend to ask that. Yeah. And what's the undecided, which I think was in the neighborhood of 10 or 15, which was not a lot. So there's still some flexibility. Yeah, the, the WBZ Boston Globe Suffolk tracking poll is showing 40% say they might change their minds. Okay. Uh, and, and then you can sort of figure where they're going to go to change their minds. So yeah. the hardcore activists will either go between Warren and Bernie, and then the moderates, whatever that might be, uh, might go to Mayor Pete or Biden, who knows. I think it's still a little bit in flux. Everything has been so weird in terms of people focusing. You had Iowa, 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 and then basically, oh, 
never mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, you had, I think, impeachment was going on. So you had you had a Super Bowl that no one paid any attention to. Kobe Bryant dying. Yeah. So I think the people of New Hampshire have been getting a lot of attention, but might not have been sort of laser beamed on it like they have in the past. Mm. Now you're a, 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 an expert in political communication. You once made ads for candidates. Uh, have you? What do you make of the ads you've been seeing? Has anything broken through the clutter? I haven't seen any particular ads that, to me, have resonated or would break through the clutter. But perhaps it's just the constant carpet bombing of message after message might swing people one way or the other. Um, but I, I don't think there's been a winner on TV yet. Can I just ask, when you talk about carpet bombing, I mean, Michael Bloomberg has already spent $170 million, and this has never happened in American politics before. We're all just sort of not reacting, I think, because well, we know him as a billionaire. But he's moving up in the polls. But he's yes. moving the needle. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, this is just the change that he found in his couch, so right. now he's going to start really writing checks. But he has moved up. But money isn't everything. Tom Steyer would be at 8 or 10% mm. in the polls. I mean, Steyer's been running on TV forever, pouring and money radio. onto TV yeah. and radio. And we learned that from that Michael Huffington Senate race in California, right? Up until that point, I think it had been the most money ever spent, and yeah. he still couldn't he win. He washed out. Yeah. yeah, the rule of thumb is if you have a choice, would you rather have more money or less money? Always take the more money. But it doesn't always buy you the election, despite what a lot of people think. So, Toby, two years ago, we had these midterm elections where arguably the headline was women win. You hear Elizabeth Warren running around saying that now. Women win. I mean, uh, the women were at the vanguard of the Democratic takeover of the House. Here we are less than two years later. Um, Kamala Harris gone from the race. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard on the banana peel. Amy Klobuchar right behind her on another, on another banana peel, and Elizabeth Warren appearing to fade. What happened to women winning? It's a very different dynamic running for president than running for Congress or running for Senate. Remember, too, it was an off-year election, and it's not surprising that there was a Democratic wave in the House. Go back to Barack Obama. Both of his mid-year elections were disasters. So Clinton, too. Yeah. Clinton, too, for, for one, one of his off-year. Yeah. Uh, off so I think it was more the dynamic of, first of all, off-year, throw the bums out. And you had a lot of very interesting, solid candidates for the House and the Senate, many of whom had um, a military record, uh, many of whom were just a good counterpoint against a very conservative male representative. Uh, and so I think that was the dynamic there. The dynamic now... Just none of the women caught fire. When you look at Bernie Sanders supporters, and they are so much in his camp, to the point where you'll hear a lot of them talk about their conspiracy theories. They think the DNC is trying to undermine him at every possible moment, and that if somebody else emerges as the nominee, they just won't vote for them. They're just not going to go there. I mean, is that a dangerous impact that block could have? It's very dangerous, especially if the Bernie people feel that the Democrats have not been having a level playing field. I think that's a lot of it. If they think he lost fair and square, then 
yeah, they'll hold their nose and, and vote. But if they think that the DNC, the convention, anything was rigged, that's going to be serious trouble for turnout. They're not going to vote for Trump. They just won't vote for the presidential Democratic candidate. Well, you know, I'm not so sure some of them won't vote for Trump. Uh, people who were identified as Sanders supporters in the primary, enough of them voted for Trump in key swing states mm. to really help him over the hump. And he is going to spend pretty much every waking moment between now and the first Tuesday in November uh, telling Sanders supporters, if he doesn't win the nomination, that it was rigged against well, him. Well, because they align on a lot of economic issues, They right? do, and the, and the shtick is sort of the same. Yeah, and also he's not really a Democrat. Right. You can throw that into the pot. Yeah, right, exactly. So uh, where are we headed, Toby? Uh, we always look to academia to forecast the future. And if I could forecast it right now, you would be talking to me at my large home in Maui on the satellite. Um, one the of place the, in Vegas next to Jack Williams. <laughs> one of the things I always tell people when I'm doing public speaking is the experts are never right. Don't listen to them. Look at the track record. So I suppose that's sort of my disclaimer copy. Um, I think it's going to be a brokered convention. I've said that before it was fashionable because some of these candidates are just going to hang on. Okay, fine. Maybe a Klobuchar will drop out. We'll see what happens with Warren. But, you know, some of them are just going to hang in um, Bloomberg and Bernie. And then if it's a brokered convention, the Democrats are in really serious trouble. It'll be, you know, will we have a hero or heroine who will ride in and save the day, you know, whether it's an Oprah or a Michelle or whoever else you want to pull out of a hat. But I think if it's a brokered convention, it's going to be a mess. And then in the final, I mean, I have never seen such negative numbers for an incumbent at a time of economic prosperity and no new wars, as uh, Donald Trump has been posting. It will be a really ugly campaign. The other thing that you're going to start hearing next is all the saber rattling about the Electoral College. For better or for worse, that is what the Constitution says. Everyone knows what the game is. You know what the rules are. You have to win states. So to run up an extra 2 million votes in New York and L.A. and San Francisco doesn't do you any good. So hopefully both the experts and also the politicians will know it is about the Electoral College. And it doesn't matter if you win Michigan by 3,000 votes. If you win Michigan, you win the votes. Mm -hmm. Professor Toby Berkovitz, Boston University College of Communication. Thanks for joining us on Studio BC. Great. Thank you so much. Well, for a long time now, there's been a debate about whether or not college athletes should be paid. Some people want them to be paid directly by the universities that are making so much money from their performances. But there's a bill before the state Senate that sort of splits the atom a bit and says, well, at the very least, student athletes should be able to be paid for the use of their images and names, whether that be on jerseys or to have sponsorship deals. State Senator Barry Feingold has proposed this bill. It is before the state Senate now. And Lisa and I had a chance to talk with Senator Feingold about what is in this bill and why he thinks it's finally time for student athletes to get paid. The answer is more technology. More and better. More and better.
Senator Feingold, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. Happy to be here. Your bill would ban any organization, be it a university or the NCAA, from prohibiting college athletes from getting paid for their images or their names. Why? Right. So what I'm saying is I don't believe you should actually get paid to be a scholarship athlete. But if you're using your name to sell jerseys, to sell sneakers, I believe you should be able to share in that upside. Back in the day when there was a, a person named Chris Weber played for the University of Michigan, sure. Fab Five, they had his name all over the country, his jersey. Jalen Rose as well. Jalen sure. Rose, right. Yeah. He didn't see a nickel of it. He couldn't even afford to buy lunch or textbooks. I think there needs to be better equity. Okay, so we've been talking about this for years, and for a very long time, the NCAA was against this. Last year, voted unanimously to approve this, and now right. there's a working group that's right. essentially deciding how would this work? How right. would we compensate athletes in this way? If the NCAA gets these rules on paper, why would we need your bill? Well, in theory, they haven't done anything yet. They haven't. Okay, so... <laughs> We need to make sure they're doing this. Now, what I'm also saying is I also think there needs to be an injury compensation fund. God forbid there's, there's another situation. Travis Roy. Travis Roy, exactly. Like, I believe there needs to be something that helps out athletes like that. So my bill goes beyond just compensation if they use your jersey. There's a clause in there for catastrophic injury that a player would be compensated for that. The argument is going to be that these athletes are compensated. They often get free tuition. They get room and board. They travel the country for free in many cases. So why should they be compensated on top of that? Because if Joe Burrow, who was the national championship quarterback for LSU, they're using his name all over the place, I think goes beyond just a scholarship. And, you know, you, you think that Joe Burrow will go on and maybe he will become this famous football player and make all this money, but the odds are against you. The average career in the NFL is four years. Yeah. So if they're making money off your name in college, people like Tim Tebow, I think they should be able to be compensated. I, I got, that's a great example. I mean, Tim Tebow didn't have the, the pro didn't career. Didn't quite that, make it no. Yes, NFL. yes. So, right. so it just, people always don't make it the way you think they're going to make it. But just to play the devil's advocate here, I mean, sports in college, they're not jobs. They're activities. And these student athletes are students first. Is there any but, risk? Lisa, I think you might have just answered your own question. Are they really? I think they've become professionalized. When I played in college, I played one season. We got $5 for lunch. We were done with the season. We were done. But now it's year-round. They own these, these students, and it is a huge commitment. And I'm not saying that you should get paid to be a college athlete, but if they are using your name, and I believe... And they're profiting Right. Like but I'm also going to go one step further. I believe that if you're in college, you should be able to get drafted, let's say by the Celtics, Patriots, the Bruins, and be able to still stay in college. Mm -hmm. So someone that is on scholarship at MIT can work at Google, Facebook, Apple. They don't lose their scholarship. But if, if, if I'm a college athlete and on scholarship, and let's say I get drafted by the Celtics, if I do anything with the Celtics, if I get an agent, I lose my scholarship. And once again, too many young people are coming out early and are not getting the benefit of being a student athlete, which is a four-year college degree. Okay, so perhaps then this would answer the next part of my question. 
particularly with that provision in place, yep. would that protect against the change in motivation for these exactly. athletes? In other words, you have every motivation to get out. Right. Um, under that part of this bill, you'd have every motivation to stay in if you see right. education as your long-term play right. for a way mm. up and out. Absolutely, because so many of these players think they're going to play professional sports, but the, the numbers are against them, and they should really stay in school and get a degree because, as I was saying, the average NFL career is four years. A college degree lasts you a lifetime, and that's why there should be student-athletes, and they should be getting their, their degrees. Is there a danger in 18-year-olds having access to unrestricted money? I mean, you could theoretically make millions of dollars if you're a top-tier college athlete. Right. I mean, Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, skipped college and went to right to the right. NBA. I mean, the, some of these kids have that option, and I think the majority of them should go to school, should get a degree, and if their professional careers don't work, they have something to fall back on. Should this be a state bill, or do we need, once the NCAA is done and they're working with Congress, do you foresee a time when there is a one-size fits all national policy that applies to college athletes. Frankly, that's what we hope. But as we are in Massachusetts and California, we are the incubator of ideas for our nation. And I believe, you know, California started, usually we start in Massachusetts, but somebody has to start this dialogue mm -hmm. and something has to be done because it works for the NCAA, it works for the college and universities, but I don't believe it works for the student athletes. On the other end of the spectrum, some people will want this to go further. They'll say students deserve more compensation. You were just saying that there's Chris a bill. Gonzalez in the yes. house. There's a bill yeah. in the state yeah. house that yeah. would actually yeah. directly compensate yeah. from the university to ticket the students. Ticket sales. Yeah. Should you not go further and say, I, I, look, you should you deserve a piece of what you are making for the university? Boston College, for example, is probably almost seventy-five thousand dollars a year. So if you get a four-year scholarship, that's three hundred thousand dollars. I think that's a fair trade for, for being a student athlete and, let's say, selling out you know, arenas and, and things like that. Where it gets, I think, above that is all of a sudden they're using your jersey. So let's say when Matt Ryan was at Boston College or Luke Keekley, I'm sure they sold plenty of Matt Ryan jerseys. That's where I think that crossed the line and the person should be compensated. Have you had pushback from universities? Not yet. I mean, so far what I'm hearing, it is positive. I mean, in Boston, it's really BC Northeastern, but we saw the bean pot last night. I'm sure there's plenty of jerseys. I hear there's video games of, of, of hockey players. So I think at some point, some of those hockey players should get some compensation. Okay, last question. Any concern that the big money sports, let's say namely men's basketball and football, if something like this goes into effect and is widely used, might wind up shortchanging the the sports that generate less revenue because of what will be required to pay for this. Yeah, and I think and I think that's probably one of the reasons why I don't think there should be direct compensation for being a student athlete. But if you're selling out, you know, a sixty five thousand person stadium and half of the stadium has your name on the back of, of their of their back and you don't see a dime from it. I think it's a question of fairness, and I think the student-athletes deserve better. And it's a $14 billion industry. At, it's, it, it, like I said, it's not an amateur sport. No. It's a professional sport. State Senator Barry Feingold, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. The city is for some glamorous, stimulating So at 8.20 on Sunday night at the you know midpoint of the Super Bowl, of course we were treated to the Super Bowl halftime show, which has come become sort of this cultural totem, right? Everybody kind of projects onto it what they want. Uh, this year, it was Shakira and J-Lo, who, in my opinion, put on a fantastic show. They both 
sound great. They look great. It was high energy. It was a lot of fun. I remember when I was growing up watching Up With People, which did not inspire a lot of um, <laughs> excitement. And we've had everything from the Janet Jackson fiasco <laughs> to, you know, worse halftime shows. But in the reaction to all this, what we've heard are it was too sexualized, too risque, um, you know, it, should it be this anymore? You know what I mean? Do most people watching the Super Bowl care that much about who the performer was? How'd you feel about it? Well, looking back on it, Paula, uh, do you think you might have enjoyed up with people more if they'd been topless or bottomless? When, <laughs> when they, they did it? you know, as I recall, <laughs> oh, they were no. usually in pastel sweaters. Yeah, oh, yeah. That I, was this a, is, I literally don't even know oh, what band you're oh, talking about. In the, no, like, not even a band. In the late 70s to mid 80s, the halftime Super Bowl act for years and years, I think it was a good 20 years, mm. was this very wholesome crew yeah. of kids yeah. from across oh, America. Okay. And yeah. it was called up with people. Yeah. Mm. And it was supposed to be very, it would oh, project I'm at it now. positivity. It was the Pepsi generation. It was like, picture, if you will, a halftime show being sung by a high school yeah. choir. Right. Yeah. Very positive, so, uplifting, and, and God love them. They were and clean. horrible and very clean. Very, right. well, very keeping, clean. You would see no wardrobe malfunction. In oh, keeping no. with the outrage industrial complex, yeah. people lost their minds about. J-Lo was dancing on a pole at one point. Mm. People thought that that brought to mind a stripper. Shakira at one point sort of uh, you know, flashed her tongue at the camera. It turns out that actually was a cultural symbol. For her. Uh, it was a Middle Eastern symbol. Her, I believe her father is of Middle Eastern descent. Mm-hmm. And so that one, as it turns out, wasn't sexual at all. But, you mm-hmm. know, the way she was dancing, the way they were dressed. We Look, should say, just quickly, the reason that J-Lo was on the pole was because she just did this movie where she right. learned how to pole dance because she was playing a stripper. Right. So but, I think she She's feeling very confident about her pole so, dancing skills. To kind of boil this down, there's now a Christian man who is suing the NFL because of this halftime performance, saying that it you know, brought moral sin upon him, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, this is J-Lo and Shakira. This right. has been you know their whole get. career. It's 820. Most kids are in bed or on their way toward bed at that point. I will say I wouldn't want my five-and-a-half-year-old daughter necessarily to watch that performance. Why because not? I, well, because I, I don't want her to think that that represents, that, that her worth is that. Why you know would she think that? Because they're dressed that way. They're stars because of the way they're dressed and the way they're dancing. But then there's her loving mom and dad right there with her right. to discuss it, put it in context, and be the role models that are going to override anything she sees in the damn yeah. Super Bowl halftime. Exactly. Show. I right. think... You talk to your kids about that. If they end up seeing it, you say, well, she's such a beautiful dancer or whatever it is. And you try to reinforce some of the other messages. But this notion that J-Lo and Shakira should be somehow shamed Mm. because they still look good. I think Shakira is 43 and J-Lo is 50. And that people have lost their minds. I would say this to Gomer Pyle or whatever the name of that guy who's suing (laughs) and and other like-minded people. At any given NFL game, which, as we all know, is mm. the epitome of wholesome American values, sure. uh, concussions, right. sh- uh, cheating, knees to the groin, Lots of people eye gouging, field of all sure, kinds of everything that we, we want for ourselves and for our children and grandchildren. At any given NFL game, you can see more skin and more, quote-unquote, pornographic dance moves all game long from the cheerleaders on the yeah, sidelines yeah, than you saw from Shakira and J-Lo. Come on. And by the way, as Ali Just, pointed out, Adam Levine 
at last year's Super Bowl performance, and by the way, while I like Adam Levine and like Maroon 5, they were mm. terrible. He stripped down throughout the course of the concert. He ended up without his shirt on. Sure. And by the way, he looks good without his shirt on. But really? I don't remember anyone saying, how dare he take his shirt off and, right. and you know, objectify his body in front of America. No Here's one said thing. that about Up until Adam a certain year, I would have felt sorry in a way for a certain member of the older generation uh, my parents and older, for instance, who were greatest generation people and prior to that, the sight of Jennifer Lopez in what was not that risque an outfit, frankly, I didn't think. It was a basic oh. dancer's leotard. But, uh, you know, the sight of her with showing that much skin on a pole to people born, um, let's say, 1930 and prior to that would have been shocking to them. Right. I, I Like I could picture my grandparents or my parents. Yeah. Now, though, now, well, anything that happens and, in a halftime show shouldn't shock anyone. And I suppose if this was the only television they watched right. all year long, it yes. might be shocking. But, and again, at any given moment, I mean, if Sesame it Street had ads, out. there'd be <laughs> images in those ads that are equally as risky hey, as all Miss that. Hey, Miss Piggy pushes the envelope. And by oh, the way, tell me about it. Come on. She, That's Boa. not all she pushes. I will, I will say Miss Piggy is both verbally and physically abusive to Kermit the Frog. And you know, and I'm deeply horrible, disturbed and a by Miss Piggy. sexist portrayal I, of women. Uh, Oh, in culture, but yeah, but that, that's neither here nor. I do hate Miss Piggy, but uh, you hate. Oh, she's horrible. Miss Piggy. She verbally, hate? physically, emotionally abuses Kermit the Frog to no end. Yeah. Literally, that's their whole shtick. Liam is that she abuses him. Liam, they're puppets, buddy. <laughs> I know. It's okay, little buddy. They're, they're have a puppets. glass of Bosco hey, here. Hey. The, the puppets have feelings too, John. Uh, but what I'd say, that at the end of the day, you always have a clicker. If you don't Honestly, like that J-Lo and Shapira, uh, Shakira are shaking their hips and are dressed you know, a little risque, you change the channel for a bit or you turn it off till the game is back on. No one is forcing you no. to watch that. You're not a captive audience. You can turn the channel anytime you want. And for people to be this up in arms about it, again, it's the outrage also, industrial complex. as you said, the minute you hear it's J-Lo and Shakira, I think you pretty much know what you're going to get. Yeah, so on. if you think your kids or you are going to be so offended, just go get your popcorn during the <laughs> halftime. And, you know, I, I, with all due respect to anyone's sensitivities, Lord knows we live in an era where everyone thinks their sensitivity mm. should be national priority number one. <laughs> um you know, uh, there are a lot. I could think of about 50,000 things more vulgar mm. and offensive and than the sight of these two talented women mm. performing up on right. stage. Are you kidding me? Yeah, well, this I is... I mean, you really have to yeah. be burying the needle <laughs> in puritanical, knee-jerk, yeah. obnoxious voyeurism to Come get upset on. about that. This has always been the thing in American culture, right, is that... People will get nuts that Shakira and J-Lo were dressed this right. way, danced this way. There'll be a primetime show directly after or before the Super Bowl in which some decapitated body right. is lying on the ground Blood. and the detectives on network TV are trying to figure right. out what happened to this person's mutilated exactly. body. Yeah. You know, people could get so upset about the pole J-Lo was dancing on in her outfit or Shakira. If you take your kids to the circus... 
you know, or Cirque du Soleil. There's sure. a lady in a leotard yeah. floating down a scarf or climbing up a pole. I mean, come on. Oh, wow. Here's a headline. Kermit has a new girlfriend. Good. His last one was a domestic Yes, abuse. from the New oh, Republic. For God's sake. Oh, the New true. Republic. There you That's go. That's true. Boy. Miss Piggy. What does I'll it say you. underneath the subtitle there? Miss Piggy regularly, regularly beat, him beat him up. She does. Yeah. She, well, she that, truly that is not physically that assaults is, him. That and, is not good. And diminishes him. And let me say this. If you want to drain every last ounce of sexuality or sexual interest out of every living American, just make them read an issue of the New Republic. <laughs> 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 well, we are taking a few weeks off now, but we will be back with something new and exciting once we mm. figure out what it is. Oh, this oh. is uh, we'll decide. Edge of your seat time. <laughs> <laughs> but if you miss us, just go back and listen. We have 68 previous episodes have we done of Studio BSA. Incredible. Well done. All of them slap Jonathan Drizzt. <laughs> what does that mean, Jonathan? <laughs> I didn't think you'd read that. Wait, part. does that really uh, say that? Oh, wow. It says right on the Is that vulgar? Is that something vulgar? Fantastic. Oh. All of them. Um, no, it's not vulgar. All and tell snap. your friends. Yeah, I subscribe. love this. It says, warn your friends. No, no. Our Twitter handle is Studio B <laughs> at Studio BZ Pod. I'm Paula at Paula Eben. I'm at Keller at Large. I'm at Liam WBZ. And yeah, subscribe. So subscribe. sooner rather than later, yes. with exciting new content <laughs> informatics, Whoa. we'll be seeing you. Beautiful. <laughs> now, really well. I don't know what that means. Yeah, can you stay slaps. for the Berkowitz yeah, conversation? Yeah, okay.